Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories. Jason here with another installment of my running vlog, which I call Digital Citizen, where I observe online conversations, especially the points of friction when we can't seem to get along. And I try to offer something helpful and constructive so that we can uh, a little bit better share this common digital space. So this one, I wanted to come down into my safe zone, my man cave. You see my games uh, in the background. Normally with these uh, reflections, I'm following the conversation online, wherever I am on my phone, park or my office, and I see something interesting, I'll you know pop it up uh, and record wherever I am. Uh, here, I wanted to take a little bit of time uh, because this is a conversation about safe spaces. And it goes a little bit something like this. So here comes Jason. Uh, you know, I'm talking about uh, you know cultural stuff and you know gender and race and touching the buttons, right? Uh, <laughs> good trouble. I say it. I announce it that I'm here to cause uh, trouble for whatever reasons that I deem uh, good. And I know I observe a lot of power differentials. I'm always talking about the margins, you know, folks in the margins, women, PLC, LGBTQ, uh, and in the center is. I try to avoid saying this too, too often, but let's just you know, be real. White men in the center of the board gaming hobby. And I, you know, power, privilege, and all those conversations. And I think a response that I've heard uh, has been, I have power and privilege? <laughs> the white guy will say that. Uh, you know, they're wondering, it's like, you know, how can this person say that I have power and privilege? white guy observing that, you know, in other parts of their lives, there is no power and privilege. Maybe they're just, you know, employee of, a, of some place and, you know, they're in their workspaces and in their families, uh, in their schooling or wherever other social circle there is, they're on the margins too. They are the freaks and the geeks of society. Uh, the ones that like Batman and other comic books, the ones that, you know, have lots of achievements on their video games and they dive into whatever geeky culture stuff or games or whatever it is. And out there, weird, <laughs> uh, you know, stigmatized and misunderstood and gaming represents that safe space, that refuge. It is the one space in a lot of people's lives. Not everybody experiences it this way, but enough do. And I think all of us know someone or are familiar with that experience at some level, where this space is the only space where I'm free to be a freak or a geek. And then there's a resentfulness because here comes, you know, Jason, and I've heard uh, a lot of times uh, people talk about in terms of bullying. Like Jason and whoever else is, you know, articulating the same things are like bullies. In the sense that, you know, as marginalized folks, we have a card the victim card. And, you know, we, we call out something and it's like, uh, as a blank, as a POC, you can't say anything about that because we're marginalized and, you know, we're going to talk about this now. And the other person will state a disagreement. Maybe it's racial or gender or whatever. Maybe it's not. It's just a disagreement. There's a fear that, you know, oh, you disagree? You must be a racist. You must be a sexist. And that becomes or it's experienced as a bullying move. And so out there, bullying and misunderstanding and judgment and, and whatever. So here in the gaming space, more 
of the same. Plays out differently, but more of the same. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I it, so many ways to address this, uh, and I think a lot of folks on my side are kind of get exasperated. Uh, let's talk about power and privilege, and you know it's such a complicated conversation. Why are we shutting it down uh, with labels? Blah blah blah. blah. I want to try to get under all of that because I hear that. That I hear a lot, maybe more than most things. Uh, the idea of freaks and geeks seeking safety. And all I want to say to that is, me too. I don't want to bully anybody. I don't want to play any card. I don't want to play a victim. Uh, I also want the same thing that you do. And I'll explain how that works uh, in a second, but I want to uh, talk about the commonality here. I totally feel that idea that out there is lack of safety. Uh, it, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, playing video games and, you know, uh, the awkward with people and glasses and, you know, you know, not being able to fully participate in sports without putting down my glasses and having tape on them and, you know, uh, getting to going through all that, you know, preferring to be inside a lot of introverts in our hobby. Uh, I prefer to be inside playing solitaire uh, than out, outside and playing around and all that kind of thing. Uh, I feel that. I feel the judgment. I feel, you know, I you know there's people out there that have very difficult family situations or uh, just whatever, wherever that works out. And gaming being that safe haven for all those different situations. It's not just the outside stuff. It's the inner stuff too. As a psychotherapist, we have a concept in my discipline called the inner critic or the inner ogre or the inner uh, gremlin. I've called it a lot of different things. It's that chattering in your head. I think of it like monkeys just clanging cymbals and flinging poo and uh, making just a big, massive, negative ruckus. And I think most of us recognize it on some level, uh, that voice that says, you're a loser, you're alone. Uh, why can't you be successful? Why can't you you know, accomplish your goals, meet somebody, be social, uh, lose weight or gain weight or look better or deal with X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. And in a way, it's more vicious than the outside stuff because we can't escape this. And so every single little bit of refuge becomes that much more uh, tightly held and valued. You know, when there's a game on the table and game nights there, uh, you know, for however many um, hours it takes to play that game and be in that space, that is refuge from the inner voice that is so hard to escape. And so it becomes that much more overwhelming when someone like me or, or comes from the outside and causes ruckus and whatever. So it's like there's that much more resentment. Uh, built up in the system. And I'm really, really sorry about that. And that's why I want to make this video because I wanted to put it out there that I get it. Along with some of the outer voices, I have my own inner critic, my uh, stuff too. And I don't want to get too uh, into it. Uh, maybe I'll do this in a, a separate video, but I have my own stuff. Uh, you know, I've been depressed in my life. And uh, twice in my life, I have uh, been really depressed. And anybody who has been depressed knows exactly what I'm talking about with capital R, capital D, really depressed. In those situations, I can honestly say that gaming provided me the safety. Gaming did a, played a big part in saving my life. 
when I was younger, when I was a teenager, it was uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, role-playing, it was comic books, and it was sports, uh, gaming in general. And, you know, as an adult, it was back into D&D and board games and, you know, some of the other uh, stuff here. That is sacred. And so it, I want to make it really clear uh, with this uh, little dialogue that when some kind of cultural conversation happens, the intention is not to just bully, exercise power, ruin people's fun, bring people down. I'm very sorry that some people get that uh, impression. Let me, I like to just put it out there that that is not what the aim is. And so here I am uh, talking about gaming as this sacred opportunity for geeks and freaks like ourselves uh, to realize our authentic selves in safety. And so what happened? <laughs> I'm this activist voice now. Uh, back in the day, I wasn't. When I was a kid, you know, I was, you know, go along and get along like a lot of other folks. Nothing really changed uh, with the dynamics of gaming and geeky culture. It was more like my perceptions and how I looked at stuff definitely changed. When I was a kid, I was very used to the kind of cultural and hobby silos. Uh, you know, I go from one place, go from another, boom, boom, boom. I had my bike. I lived in Brooklyn, New York. And if you know anything about a uh, big city, you have enclaves. You go to different places, you want to do different things. So uh, if I wanted to play D&D or read comics, it was a lot of white kids uh, in that uh, particular scenario. Or if I wanted to play street ball, it was a lot of black kids. Uh, and it wasn't totally exclusive. There was a little bit of cross-pollination. You look at the demographic just on a surface level and you see the difference. I still remember this, too. Uh, you know, I had me and a Dominican friend. We played handball. And you have a little rubber blue ball on a wall and you kind of hit it back and forth. And we'd, sometimes we'd play our friends, uh, both white friends, who played paddle ball. Same sport, but with a paddle instead of our hands. So we'd play each other, and it was pretty cool. I didn't realize, think about it. It's like, hmm, why is that group playing that game with that level of resources available to them, and why is this group playing this game? And whatever. Um, didn't think about it. I didn't think about it at the time. Another thing I didn't think about at the time, um, you know, I was, it was one day where I'm playing street ball, I'm having a good time, and then, oh, well, 5.30, time to, you know, get on the bike and head to D&D. What a day, right? <laughs> Street ball, D&D, uh, really great life, huh? And had my bag, and you know, one of the black kids came up to me, and he was, you know, not like the jock type. He was a, you know, a leaned, you know, freaking geek like me. I was like, where are you going? I'm playing, you know, I'm playing D&D. Take out my player's handbook, show him. Guy's like, nah, I'm good. You know, that, that, whatever, you do your thing. And I went back. I didn't think about it. It's like, whatever. <laughs> it's like, that wasn't his thing. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But, you know, um, looking back now, you know, what am I showing him? I'm showing him, you know, uh, white faces. I'm showing him white paradigms. You know, uh, ye old merry English paladins and, you know, elves and dwarves. These are very, um, you know, Middle Earth token descended from, uh, you know, th that area of the world and has uh, that uh, cast to it. So could it have been different had it showed something that was a little bit more of the world, a little bit more of his experience? Uh, you know, they we like to say representation matters. Uh, you know, it's. I like to think of it as like a pop, you know, like when you see a familiar thing, there's like this, ooh, oh, that's cool. And, you know, if I'm showing them the supplement, then there's nothing familiar 
for him to see at least definitely back in the day when I was, you know, uh, doing this. And I was cool with that. I didn't think about it. You know, I just go to the silos and enjoy the things. Nowadays, I'm not as cool with it uh, anymore. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't think about this stuff. But now, you know, grown, have had experiences. I'd rather uh, encourage a bigger, broader tent, the biggest, broadest tent uh, I possibly can. That encompasses as much diversity of perspectives, uh, race, class, everything. You know, nice, big gaming tent rather than the silos. Uh, and you know, so the reason being number one, I just think it's better gaming, you know, uh, it's more diversity, more interesting stories, more interesting perspective. I just think that keeps us on our toes. I've experienced it, uh, in my life and as much as I've been able to cultivate and it is awesome. So as much as I can encourage that, that's great. Uh, the second thing is when I hear folks say, you know, uh, I'll say, okay, well, let's change up the games. Like, well, uh, we have these games. Uh, you get your games. You know, uh, you if you really want games, or you, you know, women can make games. You know, everybody can play. You know, there's room for us, but we're all kind of in the little niches. What that rings to me is separate but equal. And separate but equal, if you look at the history, I'm speaking as an American, but I think every country has their own version of that. Separate but equal doesn't quite work out ever in terms of who has the material resources, who has the uh, the fun, so to speak. It always seems like some groups get the lion's share over others, but you just kind of let that go. So uh, I'm going to push back against the silos and continue to advocate for this truly multicultural big tent. And so um, I've continued to have uh, back and forth conversations. And I can imagine someone saying that, uh, Jason, you're over-exaggerating the sense of silos. Uh, there are no doors. There are no gates. It's all open for everybody. Uh, and a lot of folks will point to their own personal virtue uh, to illustrate. At my table, I do not exclude anybody. If you're any race, any class, I don't, uh, it doesn't matter to me as long as you know how to roll dice and add and take your turn uh, at a pretty good rate. You make jokes, you're part of the group. It doesn't matter. So what are you talking about with these silos? And I don't doubt that in terms of individual virtue, there's a lot of folks that are you know open like that. And thank goodness. You know, I think there are enough folks out there uh, that are like that, but that's not everybody. Unfortunately, that doesn't really scale. When you look at the bigger picture, when you look at the level of community, when you look at uh, who is making the games, who's on the games, uh, who is represented or feels represented, I'm going to go off of uh, the great Tanya Pobeda and her uh, endless trove of statistics about the current state of uh, board games, the demographics, that is. At scale, looking community-wide, it seems like we're still struggling, no matter how open an individual person says they are. And I use this as an analogy to explain. So let's say I have this big open table. I'm in my basement, I'm in my safety. I'm, at, I'm actually at my gaming table right now. And I say it's open. Uh, you know, anybody can come in. But here I am uh, in my basement. And my door may be open, but how is anybody going to know to come in? You know, and you have maybe you have a whole bunch of people in the suburb. Their doors are open. They're saying, come on in. Gaming is fine. Nobody's actually going to come in. Who's just going to walk into somebody's house? And if they don't actively feel invited, if there's not an actual tangible draw. If people aren't coming out of their house and engaging in the public square and being open and welcoming actively, 
not just to my personal table, but taking ownership of the community as a whole. That's what I'm trying to do, right? Uh, and this whole discussion is about uh, changing and correcting and answering some misunderstandings. You know, I, I began this whole thing was like, okay, uh, you know, we're in this very friction point. You're talking about all these political things. You're dividing. You're, you know, trying to take stuff away. All this misunderstanding of what, uh, you know, I'm trying to present here. And so I made a video to be like, well, um, okay, so we can have friction points. We can discuss uh, how siloed is this hobby? You know, I have my perspective, but people have different perspectives. And I'm willing to talk about that. You know, I think we're pretty darn siloed. And I think the statistics back me up. Uh, but there are other people whose personal experiences do not conform to that. So let's talk about it. Rather than staying there, because we're just going to get into heat uh, and no light. I want to at least establish a baseline for that conversation so that when I say something, I'm not coming at it from like on high playing victim card trying to divide people. It's from a common place. Freaks and geeks like us all belong in gaming. Every single demographic person belongs in gaming. I think we have work to do to get there. That's where I might differ. But at least the baseline that I want to establish is that we're all freaks and geeks trying to find that safety and that fun and that community. And we just have different ways to go about it. If we could start there, I think we can try to have better conversations. I know I'm a pretty hopeful guy. <laughs> if you could change your mind, you could change the world, people. So until next time, later, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. <laughs>